Broadcasting from the Ohio Valley, talking about the Ohio Valley. We're live and local. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Who's coming through the door? I think we've met somewhere before. Hello, love. Well, I believe we have met somewhere before. Hello, love. Where in the world have you been so long? I missed you so since you've been gone. Hello, love. I mean, don't take this the wrong way, David Croft, but uh, yeah, Hello, I miss having around. Good, good talking to you. Thanks for coming through our door this morning. Make yourself feel right at home. I hope you plan on staying now. Make yourself feel right at home. Actually, you made us feel right at home, Bob. Come in, love. Guests who bring us food always know they start out a little step above. He knows that. He's a smart guy. And plus, you know, he was number one last week on my list for that insight. He called in. He kind of bailed us out a little bit and said, listen, you dopes, let me, let me tell you how this works. See, what I, uh, what I gave you credit for, with David, was you didn't really say, Howard, you're stupid. Here's, here's, here's what's really the case. Kind of eased us down. Exactly. And then he starts out this morning bringing us uh, croissants in, which is, uh, I think he's Going for back to like Patrick Mahomes. We got Patrick Mahomes sitting with us. <laughs> back to high. back here, back to back. Eight oh nine in the morning on the Watchdog Morning Show. Twenty nine degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. Twenty eight at the Highlands. Twenty eight in Elm Grove. Still twenty eight here. Uh, let me put my croissant down. Twenty eight degrees out. Twenty eight degrees here at the Watchdog Radio Network Studios. It's going to be a partly cloudy day. Some rain this afternoon. Daytime high fifty eh, ish or so. Cloudy week. Rain almost every day. Highs in the mid forties. Putting a question mark around tomorrow morning. Could be a wintry mix. Could be a little bit difficult driving into work. Or it could just be a normal morning. So at this stage of the game, I don't know. But uh, we'll try and keep track of that for you as uh, as time comes on. Uh, a couple of texts I want to get to for the Super Bowl um, from the Super Bowl conversation on the Frio Stack auction service text line. Um, I said, you know, none of the ads, I didn't, a lot of the ads I didn't even pay attention to. I saw them, but didn't. They were just unmemorable to me. They just, so, Howard, you must have been sleeping during the Dunkin' Donuts ad. Ben Affleck, Tom Brady, Matt Damon. Okay. I, did you see that ad? I think I heard it again. I probably had my head down doing something. Maybe I was into my ham and cheese plate at the time, Howard. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were, there were just nothing bad about it. There were very few bad ads. I don't think I saw any bad ads. I just nothing particularly excited me. Um. Wow. Was there anything about the Super Bowl you two guys enjoyed? I said I liked it. It was an exciting game. Negative comments on the all-American event, and it should be celebrated. It was a good game. It's a game. It's, it's, it, we watched the game and said it was a good game. It was a good game. I. You know. Usually there are standout ads. I don't think there were standout ads. Nothing. Nothing jumped out that I said. Oh, I got to talk about that tomorrow morning. Had one, and we talked about it. Yeah, uh, and then uh, uh, so I, I don't think we were negative. I did again. You didn't. You didn't watch the halftime show. I just didn't care. I mean, I just didn't care. That's yeah, all. I don't care either. Usher, fine, bad. I just didn't. Some of my friends just were so ecstatic. They loved it. Some of them said, "How? Oh, why would they put that on here?" I just. It's no big deal. So no, we weren't negative. It's an all-American event, and, and uh, I think we celebrated a bit. The one ad that Bob and I both thought was good, and not everybody did by a long stretch, was the ad for RFK Jr., where he harkened back to Jack Kennedy's days in the 60s. And 
we're talking about it. I thought it was particularly good because for those of us who pay attention to politics, we've got an image of RFK Jr., whether you think he's a, a savior of the Democratic Party or whether you think he is a, um, uh, a troublemaker. We, we have ideas. The vast unwashed watching Super Bowl don't really know or care about RFK Jr., and this put RFK Jr. on their radar screen. I guarantee you there were large numbers of people who watched that ad and said, whoa, Kennedy's running? So I think it did what it was supposed to do. And the one part of the ad that I caught was independent. You could see independent right there. So right. I don't know if that was good or bad, but I think they really tried hard to get that message out. It was paid for not by RFK Jr. nor his campaign. Maybe that's why. But by the American Values uh, PAC. Uh, Frio Stack, Ox Service Text Line, 304-214-1600. RFK Jr. ad. You both thought that was a standout ad? I feel sorry for you both. Well, thank you, because we I, I need that. I said it caught my uh, it caught my attention. It, it, uh, yeah. I thought it was well done. It tried to have for that what, 60s. For what it was supposed yes, to be. Yes, and here we are talking about it. Yeah. We, I don't know. Maybe we're the only people in America talking about it, but I think it was a good ad. I didn't say I was going to vote for the guy. In fact, I think I said I w- I'm not voting for the guy. I will guarantee you I'm not voting for the guy. But I thought, from from as a for from his perspective, really smart ad, Super Bowl, good placement for it, reaches people who wouldn't know he's even running. You know, it does no good to run on CNN or to run on Fox News. Or something. Put it through the Super Bowl, where a great unwashed, so to speak, will will get to see it. And again, I'm telling you, the line you probably heard in some form or another was, "Huh, I didn't know Kennedy was running," and that's what he was aiming for. Uh, if you have any additional thoughts on Super Bowl or anything else, 304-214-1600. 304-214-1600, the Frio Stack auction service uh, text line. And somebody asked me on the text line, now I lost it, how many people attended the Super Bowl? About 62,000, I think. I, I've lost the number now. 61,000 some at the Super Bowl. 61,900, something like that. Which is not a record by a long shot. It was no, one of, they got a long way to go. Uh, it was the lowest since the pandemic, I think is what they said. got to remember, they just built that stadium. I, to me, I don't know what that says. Maybe David will chime in here. Does that mean it was not a sellout, or is that what the capacity then, David? What are you no, hearing there? It's a capacity issue more than a sellout. They'll probably add on to that stadium as it goes, get it up to about 80000 That's about the standard now of 70, between 70. Maybe, but if they're getting the money they need from the – number of seats they have there's no incentive to increase the seats it's just more people right up your gotcha. stadium. right uh where am i at 61,629 at the uh super bowl this uh, that's of course that's in the stands you David, said 60,000, right? 61, yes. 61, 629, almost 62,000. David, I'm in a little trouble with that. If you, I, if you can maybe get just a little bit closer because we want to make sure we hear you. Is that better? That is perfect. Thank you. All right, well, we're going to finally shift out of Super Bowl gear for a little while, talk about some other stuff. Ohio County School Board continues to discuss the possibility of um, a later start time, at least for Wheeling Park High School. Uh, certainly, if one reads the Facebook posts and comments, David, um, it continues to be a pretty controversial point of view by for a lot of folks. A lot of people are not happy with it. Why can't we just leave things the way they always were? Well, those are not unfamiliar waters for me, Howard, on the school board. Um, Let me take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about why are you talking about okay. this and what is likely to happen. Sure. It's 816 Watchdog Morning Show for a Monday. 
the heart of Ohio County, there's a leader who stands out from the rest. John Haglock, a dedicated public servant with a passion for keeping our community safe. With over 30 years of law enforcement experience, John Haglock is a seasoned professional who knows how to keep our community safe. John is not just a law enforcement veteran, he's a proud United States Army veteran, dedicated to the principles of duty, honor, and service to our great nation. John has also been a recipient of several prestigious awards, including the West Virginia Prevention Resource Officer of the Year and the U.S. Attorney Champion for Children Award. Vote for experience, dedication, and a leader committed to serving the residents of Ohio County. Vote John Haglock for Sheriff. This advertisement was paid for by the committee to elect John Haglock Sheriff, David F. Cross, Treasurer. Why? Just think about it. Why is the number one selling brand of chainsaws not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot? We can give you over 10,000 reasons. That's how many authorized local steel dealers you can find across the country. Visit one and you'll find a range of dependable gas and battery-powered tools, from trimmers to blowers. And you'll find service from experienced professionals. Real steel. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. I'm Deepak Huda. I am from originally India. I am director of the Structural Heart Program as well as Cardiac Cath Lab at Wheeling Hospital. Our main clinic is obviously here at Wheeling Hospital WV Medicine. We also have satellite clinics, we call it, the Upper the Highlands. Then we have clinic at the Wheeling Clinic, which is in downtown Wheeling, and Martins Ferry. And then we also have clinic at St. Clair as well. So we try to go where the patients are or to make it most convenient for them. Judge Ron Wilson was born and raised his family here in West Virginia. He is the most experienced judge in our mountain state. During his years serving the citizens of Hancock, Brook, and Ohio counties, Judge Wilson was selected to sit on the Supreme Court, was voted Judge of the Year, and was selected in 2023 for judicial excellence. Let's keep Judge Ron Wilson. I'm Judge Ron Wilson, and I respectfully ask for your vote. Paid for by the committee to keep Ron Wilson judge. Live from the Robinson Auto Group Studios in the heart of the Ohio Valley, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Usually something with a little bluesy sound to it I like. This morning I could use some rock and roll just to, just to wake me up this morning because I am so tired this morning. 29 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. If I fall asleep, I won't fall asleep while David's here. Well, we're going we're gonna to engage in conversation. But if later on I just fall asleep, shout at me, would you please? If you look over here, my head is actually on the microphone. You know what I'm saying? Pat? We're going to make fun of you for a little bit. Okay. Hey, Howard fell asleep, but yeah, we'll, we'll get you up. 29 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 28 at the Highlands, 28 in Elm Grove, 28 here at the Watchdog Radio Network Studios. Partly cloudy, daytime high, uh, 50 today, maybe some rain this afternoon. Cloudy week with rain most days during the week, highs in the mid-40s. Ohio County School Board member David Croft is here with us, and I wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, later start time uh, project that has been it's been kicking around for several years, David. Several years, yes. Uh, where, what, where did the idea come? How did it get started? Um, 
Well, it, it began, um, and, and the impetus was uh, Molly Adderholt, mm-hmm. a fellow board member um, who had been doing some research. And the, the more she dug into it and shared the research with the rest of the board, it, it, it is undeniable scientifically that later start times are better for the adolescents, uh, age 13 to 18. It's a circadian rhythm. Uh, there's no, that is for sure. Um, and as a board member, we are statutorily required, as you can imagine, to look out for kids' health. And so it's, it's trying to balance that health, our requirement, the science, uh, with the logistics, which, which is quite a challenge. But I, one, one thing that's interesting, uh, in preparation for this, this discussion, I, I went ahead and looked nationally. Uh, West Virginia as a state is number six in early average early start times at uh, 7.46, and Wheeling Park is at 7.25. So it's one of the earliest starting schools in the country. Uh, and even our other local high schools, Lindsley's at 8.20 or 8.25, Central's at 7.55. So it, it's really um, unhealthy for our kids to be starting that early. So we're going to... We, at least some of us on the board, are going to run it down until we can't run it down any, any longer. The, the, there are a number of arguments you hear against it. One of them I mentioned earlier, it's just the, we've always done it this way. Why do you have to change things? Well, that to me doesn't hold much water. You know, it's just things change because they make sense. Sure. But the other arguments that you hear are that while it may be good for the students to get a later start time, it creates a serious societal problem. You got parents who, who, who have to find a way to get their kids to school later, and they may have to already go to to work. And what are they going to do about that? What about extracurricular activities? What about kids who have um, jobs after school? After school now gets pushed back. Uh, and we'll talk in a minute here too about what are the different options. But just as a general comment, starting later. Uh, but but it's sort of you're running up against science versus what some say is the reality of the world. Sure. And my hope is we, we put together our best plan. And then similar to when the, the board rolled out the proposal for the bond issuance, we went to each community to say, look, how does this affect you? What are your needs? And if we go to, let's say, Wheeling Middle School, and we have folks saying, look, uh, I get that that's better for kids' health, but what we our problem is that – my high schooler comes home and watches my grade school kids. Well, then maybe we need to look at additional after-school programming. And that's where I'd like, you know, if, if, to the extent that I have an influence on it, is get us to the position where we actually have the best plan we can put together, look at the feasibility financially, and then look at the community impact. I mean, we're sort of talking here this morning in, in, as a general saying, well, Wheeling Park High School starts later, and then the then the sort of the, the image is everything else gets pushed back. There are other ways to do it, right? I mean, you could – it would be expensive perhaps, but there are other ways to do it beyond just saying, well, we'll all just start later and get done later. And that really doesn't work. We already have um, Woodsdale starting at 9.15. And we, we had a bus time optimization transportation study done by Edgelog, and it's – it's flipped the high school versus the grade schools and middle school, uh, but it had the high schools ending uh, later than what a lot of people were comfortable with. So one of the factors that Edulog did not take into account are what are called banked hours because there's a minimum amount of hours that kids have to be in school. For example, high school is five hours and 45 minutes, but we have them, there. Yeah, we have them there for seven hours and 30 minutes. So there is, and some of that's instructional, some of it isn't. 
And so what I'm hoping we can do sooner rather than later is understand what that, <clears throat> excuse me, what that flexibility is. So if you know that you have over an hour with each of the schools and maybe a half an hour of that is non-instructional, maybe you could use that to uh, help smooth out some of these rough spots. Because right now we have 55 buses and of those 59, there are what are called 29 routes and 151 total runs. And the more you compress those runs, the more buses and drivers and maintenance you need. So as we speak here, we have a window of about three hours to deliver kids. If we compressed all of that in a perfect world, then we have to do it in 1.5 hours. And that, that's going to be a tough, uh, that would be what we call a very uh, steep vertical climb. That would be difficult to uh, accomplish. The um, I guess the gateway decision has to be whether or not the school board wants to start later at some point. Yes. Then comes the question of how do you do it, what's, what system do you use, what, what are the expenses going to be, and so on and so forth. It is, and I think we have to – I think we as a school board, with the help of the administration, and a shout-out to David Crum, who, uh, who is a, a math teacher by trade, who's now our facilities manager, has worked diligently with Edulog to try to come up with the best plan that we can that could be affordable. That's the plan I think we have to have a discussion with at the board level to say, based on our schools, based on our kids, and we have just south of 5,000 kids, 2,700 of them ride the bus. But you can't say, well, the Monroe family, you know, their, car- their parents are dropping them off, so we're just going to avoid that. What if you change your mind? So there are those elements. And then the other elements are that we still, the buses are available for parochial schools. So there, there are more factors in figuring out the metrics of how these buses run than, than you'd think at first blush. I know when I come in in the morning, uh, I usually pass a couple of school buses, or even worse, I pass a couple of kids standing out in the dark um, waiting for the school bus, a couple of places where there's a gathering of kids. And I always think, man, you know, it's dark, it's cold, especially during the, you know this time of year. Now, let's be honest, my kids did that too, So, but I just I look at these kids as I'm driving into work and I'm thinking, man, this is awfully early for them to get going. It is, and, and that's one of the arguments we often hear is, well, you know, my kids made it and they survived. Well, maybe we don't want kids to just survive. Maybe we want them to prosper, and sleeping a little later will do that. I, I can speak for my son who's out of school that he was a tired kid, and I think it negatively impacted his academic performance. And it's, you know, again, the studies show that it it helps for depression. It helps reduce accidents. It helps emotionally. It helps uh, academically. It helps with their sports um, uh, achievements. So the, the, the benefits of that are something you cannot ignore. It is – the research is primarily for – Teenagers, high school age students, correct? It, 13, isn't, it is not the same. For, for Yeah, the circadian rhythm is different for children. Normally when you hit the puberty going up to, again, you're 13 to 18, which is all of your high school, um, it, the studies are undeniable. So that that's really, you know, someone, I'd be glad for someone to come to our board and say, well, here's uh, evidence that is contrary. It's just not going to be reliable. I can say this. At 62, uh, if you would have given me a close to an hour extra sleep, I know how my body would have responded positively, 
and I would have thought, man, that was great. You just give me something that I that I really appreciate and I could really use that that extra hour of sleep. You know what that extra fifteen minutes is like, Howard? Yeah, exactly. But what I've learned from Facebook is that if um, if if the kids start later, they'll just stay up later. They won't get any more sleep. They'll just go to bed later. Well, that's incorrect because they're staying up later anyways. That's the circadian rhythm. It's just teenage kids because the, the counter that is will make them go to bed sooner. Well, that, well, and, that, and that does and not that, work. And that's what I – that's what – Yeah. Again, Facebook has told me this. The answer is just tell them to go to bed sooner. That, that, Bob, would that have worked for you? Well, it did because my mom was pretty tough. Yeah, okay. I was <laughs> – bedtime was bedtime, Howard. Now, in high school, no. But, you know, before it, that, yes, bedtime was important. Similar to the text you often receive. I mean, when, when the school board or whether it's the city or the county – commission makes a decision that has any controversy triggers the great pastime which is this social uh, outrage then and, and i've got to express it on facebook you know and we had one person saying well you know look the kids don't need that at 725 is fine you later find out this parents kids go to lindsley at 825 <laughs> and you're making you're comparing apples to oranges in fact you're making our case when you're doing something like this, David, do, what do you listen to the most? Do you listen to parents or the kid themselves or what the what the numbers tell you from across the country? I have a very uniform approach to these things. As one is I figure out, you know, I look carefully at what our duty is. The, the, the Board of Education has very uh, defined lane on which to operate. And then it's just a, it's a set of statutes. So health is under 1859. And then if that's my true north, these, the student's health, then you figure out how, what is the best scenario, and then you look at how it Im- impacts the community. I owe it to anybody to listen, uh, and if somebody wants to complain, I'll see if I can you know, find something within that complaint that has some legitimacy. And my hope is that as a board, we can discuss these and understand what the community's needs and try to strike that balance. But if we're ignoring the kids' health, we shouldn't be sitting on that board. You made a point earlier, which I think sometimes we forget on this and many other decisions. If, we, if you do the right thing, it may require you doing some additional things. The example you gave was if there's a problem with kids' you know, getting home later or whatever, maybe, maybe that needs more child care available through the school system or something. I mean, you define what the problem is and then what are the consequent problems and deal with those. You don't just say, well, there's going to be more problems. you got to deal with them. That's exactly right, which is let, let's start somewhere. Let's start someplace common. And maybe we split off eventually. But if we all can agree that our, our high school or kids' health is important and it negatively impacts the Monroe family or the Slider family, well, what can we do to alleviate that? Can we mitigate that impact on your family so that we can find a later start time for these kids? Frio Stack Auction Service text line. What about when these kids grow up and go to work? The boss doesn't say come in later. Parents need to get to bed to get their rest. They need to have hours to learn. Well, that's ignorance. Um, I mean, straight that's up. Pretty, I mean, I, I get up at 4.50 pretty, every morning uh, to go to work, and the circadian rhythm changes. So. Yeah. You, you can spout off however you want, but do yourself the courtesy of a little bit of research. And that, it, from a board standpoint, probably the most frustrating thing is we get a lot of blowback to say, oh, my goodness, the board elected to do this. Well, we haven't elected to do anything yet. We're still continuing to work through these things, and we're trying to do it with as much consideration with the kids' health as paramount and then looking on affordability and the, compu- the community impact. 
Frio Stack auction service text line. I don't know, and I should. Where do the teachers' union stand on later start times? We haven't heard from them directly. I suspect once a, if we if we had a plan laid out there, that we would get feedback, and and just like everything else, we we would take that uh, into consideration and have the discussions with the associations. We don't have unions. That to me is part of the problem we have right now. Is that this is sort of an amorphous idea right. without concrete parts to it starting start later start time well i don't like that because we didn't do it before but if you have the whole thing laid out we're gonna have a later start time for the high school we're going to adjust i'm making this up but we're going to adjust the uh, the elementary school we're going to provide some child care we're going to acknowledge you know until the plan is in place it's hard to decide whether it's a good idea and that's been the problem for two years howard is i i feel strongly we've got to come up with our best plan and roll it out either make it work or, or run into a barrier that prevents it. Could you point the finger a little bit, high school, say, well, you know, the Wheeling Park location just doesn't work for getting there quick. It takes a while to get there from the ridges and from, from really from anywhere. Do you buy any of that, David? None. I look, Marshall County did it, and, and they're surviving fine. And they Marshall County's land mass is more than Ohio County, Brook, and Hancock combined. So that's – it. in those – inconvenience doesn't move my needle but really impacting families does and and so i want to be sensitive to uh the the you know we have two working parents or a single parent that's that's providing for a family and in the daycare uh trying to you know to the extent we can be sensitive to the athletics and the kids with the jobs after school have you made an effort to or have you simply heard from because they choose to talk to you high school students themselves on this subject yeah we have and in fact uh, molly outerhold has two high school kids and 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 it's funny is uh do they say mom don't do this uh, (laughs) i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna answer that one howard uh but what what it's similar to when i had two kids in high school my daughter thrived and my son was sleepy and so and i i think that may be similar to her family situation uh, and you hear a mixed bag. I mean, there there's a, a you know a, a sport in high school that you take uh, uh, pictures of kids sleeping in the morning. You know that <laughs> that is a regular thing, sleeping through first period. So it it is it is impactful. I would love to hear from more kids that aren't coached. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, that's that's always hard to. You know, sift through. Did I, and I might be wrong about this, did I read where the legislature is talking about setting a mandated well, start time? Yeah, there's a Senate bill pending right now in the Education Committee uh, to require schools not start any later than 745. It's, it's fairly useless in my mind because the state average is 746, and the American <laughs> Academy of Pediatrics states clearly that um, high schools shouldn't start before 830. Uh, there are two states, California and Florida, have already imposed those law, and nine other states that have um, considered the, And the Senate bill would say no later than 745 start time? Is that mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, that, that's what it is, but it's not going to be taken up. I, I talked to Senator Weld, who talked to the uh, chairman of the, of the uh, chairperson of the Education Committee, and I think her position is that should be a local decision. The problem with that is it's really hard locally because there's so much pushback. Um, when you and I talked about this before, you, you raised probably the most valid point is people hate change, mm-hmm. you know, and it's uncomfortable, it, it's inconvenient, 
Uh, it's going to change, you know, when when I'm getting home and what I'm watching. I, I get that. Um, but what I'm hoping is that we can balance that change and, and the strain on a community versus the health benefits. You have um, a committee that's, I don't know if it's a committee of the board or a committee of, of the school administrators, but they're looking into this, right? Oh, yes. There's, there's a later start time committee that includes board members, administration, uh, uh, service personnel, and the community. So are we are we close to actually taking this up again? We've talked about it for two years. Um, you, uh, you have a meeting tonight. It'll probably come up again. I think you do. It's going to come up tonight, and I think it'll come up tonight in a sense that uh, David Crum has been talking to Edgelog about putting a finer point on that study, and I think he will likely report to the board on what Edgelog's recommendation is. Um, I, I, I don't think they want us to throw good money after bad if, if – the new study doesn't bear fruit, uh, but on the other hand, maybe they maybe there's something else they can do that'll help give us a more efficient plan. Um, but I, the other thing, Howard, is we're going to have a very different board in a couple months. Right. So I, two seats open. Two seats are open. Three candidates. Who seats? I'm sorry, you have to help me. Uh, it, it Eric Schram, who was, was appointed appointed uh, for Grace's position, and Pete Chocolas, who's Pete Chocolas. not running again. Okay. And you only have a handful of people running. Three, three for two seats. Um, it's you may think it's glorious and well-paying job, but it really is. <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't. Um, but it is. It. What's hard is I. I'm okay with with taking criticism. You, you have to when you take the seat. But there are a lot of good people that won't, that won't run for these seats, whether it's the school board or our seats with uh, look look at our. Uh, city uh, council because of the awful things people throw out on on uh, social media. You got to hear what they say about a talk show host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and it's gotten worse, especially in the school systems. I mean, it, the, it is. The, the criticism of school systems, quite frankly, I think wildly unfairly, but the criticism of school systems has become very vocal and almost nasty in the last handful of years. It is, and and I'm. I'm really proud of our central office and the work they do. And, and I wish I could share with you all the things that they take care of that you never hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, we had texts all weekend on certain issues. It's, it's they, they do a very good job and they can't always promote what they're doing. David, I'm going to move on because I just remembered being tired. I forgot. I have another guest coming up. I have two more guests coming up. A right? really big show, right. yes. Yes. We're going to talk about uh, how part of, well, it kind of ties in with this. We're going to talk about how politics is now involved in every aspect of our lives, including what soda do you drink, what Super Bowl snack do you have. Everything's divided by the D's and the R's. And therein lies the biggest problem we have in this society is everything is divided that way. Indeed. But we'll talk about that in a bit. So uh, this will at least be discussed in your short tonight, or you feel it, confident? It will be discussed tonight. It's on the agenda. And this, this, I'm comfortable the discussions will continue until we either find a way to start later or, or figure out that we can't do it. Okay. Uh, it, w- should this be held until – I mean, conversations can go on, but should the decision be held until a new board is in place? I think we, we continue to push um, to get as much data. I'd like to get the plan in and then see if the new board, as a, as a body, adopts it and wants to go to the communities with that plan. All right, we'll follow along and uh, probably talk to you again soon. Be glad to have that discussion. Thank you, David. Let's head over to the news desk at WTRF-TV. 
Good Monday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this February the 12th. Breaking news from overnight. Two people were sent to the hospital in a Sunday night highway crash in Wheeling. Wheeling police say the accident involved a vehicle at full occupancy that happened at the ramp of US 250 northbound to I-70 westbound. Officials say the call came in around 1110. One person was reportedly ejected from the vehicle while another person was trapped and had to be removed from the vehicle. The entrance 1B ramp was closed immediately following the incident. And continuing coverage this morning, officials are investigating after an early morning fire from over the weekend. The blaze broke out at a home on State Route 152 in the Knoxville area in Jefferson County. According to officials, there were no reported injuries, but the home was completely destroyed. Crews spent several hours on scene to put out hot spots. Stay with 7 News for updates. And looking across the mountain state, a program that currently helps 23 million households pay for Internet service has stopped taking new applications as funding is about to run out this spring. The Affordable Connectivity Program can pay 30 to $75 per month to pay for Internet. The Biden administration has requested $6 billion from Congress to keep the program going. West Virginia Senator Shelley Moore Capito is in favor of extending the funding, especially since over 100,000 West Virginians use it. But she also stresses the program needs to have accountability. Capito says lawmakers are looking at ways to get funds from the money collected through the Universal Service Fund, which is managed by the FCC. Stay with 7 News for updates. And the Mountain State is facing a rising suicide rate, ranking 10th highest in the U.S. However, increased calls to the new suicide prevention hotline 988 suggest more people are seeking help. The hotline's calls have doubled within a year, not due to increased depression, but likely due to the easy-to-remember number and its promotion. That was a look at your headlines. Have a marvelous Monday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. The Mountaineers try to find a way to split their Texas trip as they take on TCU. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Caridi. That story coming up on today's Mountaineer Report brought to us by Kroger. With the Kroger app, shopping online with pickup and delivery is the same as shopping in-store. Same low prices, same personalized deals, same rewards on the same high-quality items like Honeycrisp apples and pasta sauce with no hidden fees or markups. It's one small click for groceries, one big win for busy families everywhere. Start your cart today at Kroger.com. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Kroger always gives you savings and rewards on top of our lower than low prices. And when you download the Kroger app, you can enjoy over $500 in savings every week with digital coupons. Plus, you can earn fuel points to save up to $1 per gallon at the pump. And with a Boost membership, you'll save even more with double fuel points and free delivery. So you can always save big every day with our savings and rewards. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mountaineer basketball team returning to action tonight as West Virginia takes on the Horned Frogs of TCU. It's the second game of a two-game Texas trip for the Mountaineers, and chapter number one did not go well for WVU as West Virginia was bombed out by the Texas Longhorns Saturday afternoon, a final score of Texas 94 and West Virginia 58. WVU struggled from the opening tip as Dylan DeSue of the Longhorns 
Barnes on his way to 27 points to lead all scores, hit his first seven shots in a row, including five of five from three-point range. West Virginia went into the locker room trailing by 25 points, 55 to 30. The Longhorns then outscored West Virginia 39-28 in the second half. Turnovers, a huge story in the game. West Virginia turned it over 15 times, to which Texas scored 29 of its 94 points. The Longhorns on the other side were playing beautiful basketball. They had just five turnovers the entire game. They had 28 assists on their 36 made field goals, which is an assist percentage of 77%, an unheard of number. WVU finished the game with three in double figures. Jesse Edwards just missed a double-double. He had 17 points and nine rebounds. Noah Farrakhan scored 11 points with eight boards, and it was Raekwon Battle finishing up with 10 points and five rebounds. We invite you to join us tonight. Pre-game coverage begins at 7, the tip at 8, West Virginia and TCU. That is today's Mountaineer Report brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. I'm Tony Caridi on the Mountaineer Sports Network from Learfield. The Highland Sports Complex is the Ohio Valley's most exciting place to play. A state-of-the-art facility offering fun for the whole family with a climbing wall, arcade, indoor turf, hardwood courts, classes and camps for kids and adults. Plus, you can take a break in the on-site cafe. Learn more online at hitthehighlands.com or better yet, stop in and visit the Highlands Sports Complex at the top of the hill off I-70. Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. From estates to business liquidation, antiques, coins, firearms, real estate, and more. We're also certified appraisers. Frio and Stack can handle it all. Call us now for a free outside consultation. 304-233-3168 or visit FrioandStack.com. Licensed in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Frio and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. Broadcasting from the Ohio Valley, talking about the Ohio Valley. We're live and local. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Monday, Monday. So good to me Monday morning It was all I hoped it would be Well, I don't know about you, pal. It's taking me about an hour and 45 minutes. I'm starting to wake up finally after a too late at night with the Super Bowl last night. Uh, it was, uh, I enjoyed watching the game and, you know, having some fun and having some food and all that kind of good stuff, the Super Bowl. Like you, you just had, it was just you and your couple of, uh, your one of your friends, right? That was just me, Howard. Just you. Just you. All right, well, it was just Nancy and I. My kids had a big party down the street, which they lived down the street from us, and I think they had like 20, 30 people over. And, but, uh, well, um, they didn't invite us. Well, maybe if you weren't so grumpy, Howard, about where they parked their car, they would have invited you. <laughs> well, that's, they blocked me in. That's Anyway, um, 
So, but I'm starting to wake up. I'm starting to feel feel a little bit better now. Plus, thanks to David Croft who brought us uh, food again in the last thank hour. Thank you, David. Always, always works out. Uh, coming up next hour on the show, real quick. Uh, it was over 40 years of the reign of the Dailies in Chicago. The Richard Dailies uh, reigned for 43 years, I believe it was. Uh, but we're going to talk about what happened after that. Coming up next hour uh, from. Uh, Political science professor Dick Gibson, he's written a new book called Chicago's Modern Mayors, and we'll talk about Chicago under the uh, post-daily eras. That's coming up in the next hour of the show. So um, I used to just enjoy watching the Super Bowl because it was a game. Bob, I used to enjoy drinking Bud Light because— You sure did. I like Bud Light. I used to, you know, do a lot of things in life because just it was just, it was just fun to do. It was what I did. And now— Everything is seen through a political prism. Everything somehow is politics. A football player has a girlfriend who happens to be a celebrity. I'm talking about Taylor Swift. And uh, she comes to the games, which kind of is a nice thing. And every, not everybody, but then it goes ballistic. And we have conspiracy theories that, uh, that Joe Biden is employing her and that some kind. Everything, the Super Bowl is now seen through politics. Food is now seen through politics. A couple of guests with me this morning have written about this in the Conversation newsletter, which is something I frequently uh, go to and find good stuff in. Uh, Joshua Deke and uh, Shanna Pearson Merkowitz, uh, both political science professors and public opinion experts, uh, wrote a piece about this. Uh, folks, good morning and welcome to the show. I thank you for being here with me. Good morning. Thanks for having us. So this is something I've talked about a lot. It, it used to be you could just watch the Super Bowl. But now how you watch it, who you watch it with, what parts of it you watch, what you drink, what you eat with it, as an example, has now become a political statement. Is everything a political statement anymore? Well, just well about I mean, I think our research suggests that anything that a politician or someone on the media wants to make political will become political for us. People are really responsive to, you know, to what political elites are saying. And when they talk about food or celebrities, we absorb that and turn it political ourselves. Joshua, thoughts? Yeah, no, that's right, and 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 so it it's it reaches ridiculous levels, right? And so, you know, we we see this play out in the way that we evaluate things like food. I mean, we saw the whole Bud Light controversy erupt this year. We we see the the reactions that people have to Taylor Swift being at football games, but but we also see it in in ways that um, things that used to not be political, right? I mean, if, even if you think about the, the notion of getting a vaccine during a pandemic, that also became extremely political. And we have quite a bit of data that suggests that if we would have had a different administration in place, the reactions to that would have been completely different had it unfolded. And so, so much of our behavior is dictated by how we perceive the political realm and what elites say about things that are seemingly not political. Is it not part of the reality that we are a just a divided society anymore? I mean, everybody falls down on one side or another. There aren't many of us left I, who, who kind of try and just go through life without necessarily finding everything political. But it's, it's the way we are. We're a divided society. That's absolutely right. We're 
at an all-time high of partisanship in this country in terms of the number of people who strongly identify with one party. Um, there are more of us than ever, and there are very few people that, you know, really sit in the center these days. And so that elite opinion, and when they talk, we're really listening because of that, because people are so driven, you know, by by the party they've decided to identify with. And, you know, one of the things we have a lot of data on is what's increasingly so is that it's driven by negative partisanship, and that's a dislike of the other party instead of, you know, a real love of the the policies and, um, you know, ideology of the party that you identify with, it's more about a hatred towards the other party. And this is really critical, right, what, what Sean is talking about here, because what that means is, is that we've become divided, but not because of what we believe, not because of some ideological truth that is in our hearts that is driving people further and further apart. It's more like team sports, right? Like, you know, I live in New England, but I, I'm not a Patriots fan, and so I have a lot of negative partisanship towards the New England Patriots. I root against them. And, and people have become like that with the Democrats and Republicans. And so it goes to ridiculous levels, the types of things we will agree to or believe in in the name of basically adhering to our team or against the other team instead of thinking sort of rationally about what it is that we actually believe. I think that at the core, we might actually all be closer together mm -hmm. than, than we're acting, but we act a fool. Language becomes important on this, and I'm thinking of an example here in our local area just in the last week. Uh, and we, we had some folks in the studio promoting this. There was an event at the local skating rink called Inclusion on Ice. Now, what it was was an opportunity for the disabled to go to the skating rink and to skate. The inclusion was simply to say that, you know, it's a chance for, and the, the local Facebook pages and social media pages all the blaze. I've just had about enough of this inclusion stuff. Everybody wants to be inclusive. Why can't we all just be? I mean, they didn't even know what the, we were talking about. But the language itself just triggered people. Yeah, I think you've really hit the nail on the head there um you know as you know as we become more partisan and as partisans have found words that they can basically brand to set people off right for a long time it was socialism anytime you know one party didn't like something the other party was doing they'd either call it socialist or communist and now it's expanded to a whole set of new terms that have are, are meant to be right have historically meant to be things that are not partisan that Things like inclusion, things about which I think all both parties can agree on that we should give, you know, that society should always have access to all people in society, right? But now when we use terms that actually mean that, it's become partisan because partisan elites have made them partisan, right? So they've used these terms in ways to characterize the party, the policies of the other party that they dislike. And so that when they do that, then then we respond, my um, audience knows quite well, I love food. I love to eat. I love to eat. <laughs> I'll eat anytime, anywhere, anyplace. That's why good, the smart guests who come into the studio, like our last one, bring food. They know that it's, it, it puts me in the good mood when they bring food. And to me, all I care about is eating good food. But I have friends, for example, who absolutely will not go to Chick-fil-A. I say, don't you like their food? 
I don't even I don't know if their food's any good or not. I won't go there because I guess, you know, there's a connection to the, the corporate ownership that is anti LGBTQ or whatever. Um I just want to go eat a eat a nice sandwich. I well I love that you brought up the, the Chick fil A example too, because Shauna and I talked about this one as we were writing this op ed. And and it's one of those where there is an old prior where, you know, folks on the left don't like Chick-fil-A because of some connection of their uh, their their corporate ownership and policies about the LGBTQ community, and yet more recently they've distanced themselves from a lot of those policies and actually have hired a DEI officer, right? Which though I has that oh that inclusion word that you just yes. brought up. Oh, that's that, bad news. Bad news. That triggers people, and in fact, conservatives who've become aware of this are so upset about Chick-fil-A for doing this. And so, uh, you know, and so what you're what you're pointing out is funny because it's like it's it's even we we carry we can carry around outdated priors about something that a company did or didn't do or maybe that was, you know, 20 years ago, but you know, is and so now you've got uh, uh the the left calling them homophobic and the right calling them, you know, uh, too inclusive, falling in, too too woke, right? So you know, can't I, eat it. And and you got me. I just want a good chicken sandwich. <laughs> I mean, whatever happened to the days when you just go and yes, I want a good chicken sandwich. Of course, it isn't part of the problem um, that a lot of companies put their small p political positions forward. I mean, it used to be you never had any idea what the owner of a business felt or thought. You know, again, you just bought pizza from them or you went took your dry cleaning there. And these days, because everybody is political, even businesses now kind of put their politics up front. You know, I think I'd, I'd say, though, that one of the issues here is we're in a conundrum of transparency and exactly what you just raised, which is a lot of them are not putting them up front necessarily or advertising them, but because of the movement in, with technology and other resources to allow journalists and others to be able to see what the giving patterns are of the ownership, you know, as they, they have to file their reports to the um, Federal Elections Commission and to others, then we all get to know because journalists find out like, hey, the owner of Chick-fil-A is giving to this, you know, you know, to, to this charity right. or this group or this politician in, in ways that we could not possibly have known in the 1970s. Somebody would have had to gone to this big warehouse where the paper filings were and sorted through them in ways yeah, that technology point. has allowed all of this to come so easily to our fingertips. I, I, um, I, I, you know, and in a way, transparency is good. Right. Like yeah, we all sure. want transparency, but it does bring this negative side. I've only got a minute left. Would you say that social media is a big part of the problem here? Or maybe not. I, I would, I would <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah, I, 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 social media does exacerbate this and it has certain politicians have been able to use it to get their messaging out. And so a big part of the story for us is the way that elites communicate with the masses and tell them, Hey, this is now an issue for us. And the more the more you go down in a Facebook postings, 
the more aggressive people get. I mean, it just they feed upon themselves, and I think that's part of the problem too. And folks, I got to run. I'm sorry. To, I, I really like to pursue this a bit further, but I'm out of time. But uh, really good piece in the conversation for those who want to read it um, about how everything in life anymore is partisan. Even the Super Bowl party foods that you pick. Uh, are now partisan. I appreciate you both coming on with me this morning. Thanks a lot. Wish I had more time. We'll do this again sometime soon, all right? Great. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks for having us. All right. Thank you. Just about 9 o'clock here on the Watchdog Morning Show. ABC is covering the world next. Monday, Monday.